Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Chagiga, daf yud, page 10. So today we have a Mishnah, which is then addressed throughout the rest of the daf. And, well, let's let's let the drama unfold as it goes. So the Mishnah here kind of says, like, you know, is talking about a bunch of other things like the shlamim, the korban and everything. And then because of that, right, there's a discussion of vows or oaths that someone takes in the conjunction, in conjunction with, in connection, conjunction and connection with korbanot. Um, and the idea of then, then is what happens if you make a vow that you then want to dissolve. So that's how we get to heteronadarm, right? We're talking about undoing oaths. Right. And then you what you do is what they would do back in the day is they would go to one of Chazal to get them, you know, untied, untied, meaning um, resolved. And then it basically is removed so that you are no longer bound by that um, by that commitment. So the, the Mishnah here says that the whole concept, the whole issue of Heternadarim is they are floating, flying, floating in the air. And they don't have something to support them, meaning there is nothing explicit in the Torah that talks about dissolving oaths, freeing one from a vow. Um, you know, there's a uh, there's a lot of a lot of um, discussion of nedarim in Masach nedarim to begin with, but the idea here is that there's no there's no Torah discussion according to this Mishnah of um, freeing one from one's oaths. And then the Mishnah goes on to say not only that, but it says, when we're talking about the entirety of the laws of Shabbat and the Shlamim, the, the Chagiga that is offered on, holiday, on the holidays, and Mi'ila. Mi'ila, we've talked about before, we'll talk about it again. It's when something that is consecrated, the property that is consecrated is then used or misused for some, by definition, misused, meaning if it's not used for those consecrated purposes, it's by definition misused. And that's its own whole body of literature about that, what happens when that happens. And that's Mi'ila. Right? It says, the mission here says, all three of these things, they are like mountains, that are hanging by a hair, meaning they are only die in a tiny way connected to biblical verses, to the Torah's verses. And then the mission says, well, besides these things that are kind of not in the Torah at all, hanging by a hair, then we have other things that are really the meat and potatoes of the Torah, specifically Monetary law, carbonate, tumentara, purity, impurity, right? And then arayot, all the um, prohibited sexual uh, liaisons, right? They all have something to support them. Those are all articulated, you know, in detail in the Torah itself. So, you know, this is a very interesting, I would say, kind of it's a meta conversation kind of Mishnah because it's talking not actually about halacha, but about halacha. Right? It's not giving us halacha what to do. Instead, it's specifically um, uh, categorizing the nature of these different halachot. And of course, the question is going to be, you know, <laughs> from the Gemara, the Gemara is going to talk about, like, is this, I don't want to say is this accurate because it's a Mishnah, but the Gemara wants to know that because these statements are very sweeping, sweeping all-encompassing kind of general statements about the fact that what, Hatar Nadarim is not found in the Torah, 
heel chutzabad, hanging by hair, all of this. So the Gemara, in fact, picks this up and says, well, we've got a brighter as follows. Tanya, Rabbi Elzer, he says straight away, Rabbi Elzer says, Hatarat has something to rely on, meaning a support in the Torah. And we've got a verse from Vayikra, of Zion, uh, Leviticus 27, now the Gemara here only gives us this like one word, really. It says, well, two words, two words twice. Kiafli, kiafli. If a person utters a vow, and then the second time is not in Vayikra, it's in Numbers, Bamidbar, chapter six. Again, kiafli, if somebody utters a vow. So the Brita here that the Gemara is citing says, what the the um, articulation of um, of an oath, of a vow, the first time, is to pro- to prohibit something, meaning to to swear off something, and then the second stu- the second time is to um, is for the idea of getting rid of it, meaning uh, you swear so- you swear off something, right? That's your first kiafli, and the second kiafli is to get rid of the swearing off of, meaning what we would call a dissolution of vows. Exactly this hatarat nedarim, um, that one to say that the vow from the first kiafli, no longer applies. And then the Gemara is basically saying, hello, hello, we've got psukim here. Why, Mishnah, are you saying that there's no psukim attesting to this um, element of halacha? Um, and then Rabbi Yeshua goes on. Rabbi Yeshua, he's got another different proof text. He's got, here's a verse from Psalms. It says, um, where I swore in my anger, meaning this idea that the very fact that you could swear something in anger has, carries with it the um, the possibility to undo it when you're no longer angry because you misspoke, right? That's the whole idea of that. And then Rabbi Yitzchak has also, we have a verse here from Shmo. We have a verse here from Dehlem. Again, whoever's of a of a nidiv lev, somebody who's of a generous heart, that person can say, like, as long as you have that desire to fill, fill that vow, you can do it. But the implication is, what happens when you're no longer a nidiv lev? You can get out of it, right? Or the verse from Psalm says, I've, you know, again, I've sworn and I've fulfilled it. And then you say, well, not everything is akima. Not everything is fulfilled. Then you would need to dissolve it. So, in the on the one hand, there's no like, um, "Thou shalt dissolve your vows" articulated in the Torah. That much is true. But there are plenty of hints to the to the idea or to the to the implication that, of course, of course, you can dissolve vows. So the Gemara here really does come to kind of pick at the premise of the mission and say, "What are you talking about?" And we're going to need to understand exactly why it is that the mission even wants to tell us, oh, there's nothing to rely on here when we've obviously got something to rely on. The Gemara here goes on, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Dan. I know you were going to talk about the the theory or the premise here in the Mishnah that even Hilchot Shabbat are hanging on a, by a thread. Yeah, even Hilchot Shabbat, which is interesting. And I think we, I'm going to read the part about Shabbat. And then I want to talk a little bit outside of the top. Like, what is the Gemara doing with this very interesting Mishnah? And we've seen this concept before about, you know, the, that these halachot are mountains suspended by a hair. But this is really the first time the Gemara does a deep dive of the concept. So it says, Hilchot Shabbat. And it asks the question, Mikhtei Kitvan. And it says, okay, 
but it's written about Shabbat. Like numerous times it says in the Torah, you need to keep Shabbat. And so therefore the Gemara says, the Mishnah statement basically, right, that these laws of Shabbat are suspended by a hair is needed for cases like Rabbi, of Rabbi Abba. To Amar Rabbi Abba, because Rabbi Abba says, one who digs a hole in the floor of his house, basically on Shabbat, but only needs the earth, he's exempt from the act of digging, okay? And the, you know, and the fact that this is true, this is something that's suspended by a hair. Because in other words, it's not evident, actually, from the Psukim as they describe Shabbat. And then the Gemara goes on to actually, like, explore that halacha a little bit, right? And we're going to hear some concepts that we've heard before when we learned Masach Shabbat, right? So it says, come on, right? Whose opinion is this? Rabbi Shimon, So this is according to Rabbi Shimon, who says, that a, you know, meaning you do a, a, a work, a labor that's not needed for a defined purpose, you're not chayat. Because when you dig those holes, you don't need the holes, you need the dirt. So you're not chayat for digging because you didn't need the holes. In fact, the holes are actually destructive. They ruin your floor. Even according to Rabbi Yehuda, and we know this is the famous machlokas between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda, to uh, Tanayim over Hilchot Shabbos, Right, Rabbi Shimon saying Rabbi Yehuda does not hold this. Right, for there in the case where Rabbi Yehuda would say you would be liable uh, for doing a malacha lagufa. Right here, it's destructive. He's ruining it. So uh, you know who cares that he's right. So in other words, you also wouldn't be it. You also would not be. Um, you would not be chayav. So again, the reason why the Mishnah listed it is because of this specific case. Um, and then the Gemara goes on to say, my So what does the Mishnah mean when it says it's suspended by a hair? And it says, That when we talk about malacha, that the Torah forbade, right? And then there's also some malacha that is not written explicitly in the Torah. And that's what is suspended by a hair, the things that are not uh, explicitly written in the Torah. What the Gemara then basically goes on to do is it goes through each of the cases and basically says, wait, so not all the cases. For the Chagiga one, they basically try to say, how do we learn that you need Chagiga at all? And they basically go through a whole series of proofs because we know the Chagiga, it is not said explicitly, right? We talked about that at the beginning on our podcast for Beth, that it's sort of learned out from a Pasuk. Here they actually give a whole bunch of different um, options. Then they get to the topic of Me'ila, where again, they wait, Me'ila's written. What, why? And again, it's interesting. It, it comes down to one specific case. Uh, and, you know, I go through a back and forth about that. So what's, you know, what I find interesting is, is that um, there's two, like when you go through all the cases, and this is going to continue on tomorrow's stop as well, right? The one case of Chagiga actually seems to be the one case where it's really not explicit. And so I wonder if that's why this Mishnah appears in Masachat Chagiga, because of the list of all of them, I think Chagiga is the only one where they really try to work out, how do you know Chagiga at all? All of the other ones, Shabbos, Me'ila, and now I'm going a little bit onto the, uh, uh, to the next page. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, all of the other ones, they basically have a pasuk, but they're like, oh, it's for this specific case. Um, and so, you know, that wouldn't be, uh, 
uh, clear from the Torah itself. So that's why it needs to be listed. So uh, again, I think pay close attention to what the Gemara's methodology is here. Most of these are, are things that do have an explicit pasuk with the exception of Chagiga. And therefore, I think it's no accident that this whole concept of, you know, mountains suspended by, by hairs is in Masechet Chagiga because if anything, that's the one, that's the, the, the law that it's most true of. So on the one hand, I think that's 100% right, meaning clearly the fact that Chagiga, the the Nadarim or whatever you want to call them, of Chagiga is exactly the one that doesn't really have a source is why it ends up here. But there's something else that I find to be fascinating about this, which is the fact that the Mishnah altogether, that Chazal altogether entertained the idea that there was any kind of tenuous connection between the practices that we do and the biblical text, right? Because... I mean, certainly there are many skeptics out there, right? And plenty of maminim also, right? Devout people who will say like, okay, but where is this really in the text? You know, that the Torah and the halacha that we practice are not always so connected. And the fact that the Mishnah takes this stand to say, you know what? It's not even there. And then the Gemara, of course, comes and says, but it is, but it is, but it is, I think is like really like very honest and real and and you know, I'm not sure, I'm not surprised that it's here, but I, I feel like it's part of an answer to the skeptics to begin with, to say like, look, they knew also, everybody understands that the way halacha kind of grows is is not exactly um, strict, literal interpretation of the biblical text. But, you know, and sometimes that means it's a more tenuous connection. And sometimes it means, you know, as we as the mission itself acknowledges, there's certain areas that are very detailed already in the Torah. Right. And I think that, you know, <laughs> one of the other comments that gets made also is that the mountain suspended by Herod is when the Pasuk comes from Nevi'im as opposed to, you know, from uh, Nevi'im Ketuvim as opposed to coming from the Torah itself. So I think what you're really seeing here is the interplay between Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat And this is actually sort of an acknowledgement of Chazal of sort of their sometimes tenuous relationship. And I appreciate that they acknowledge it. Yes, very much so. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Ring us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydra website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.